Jackson is Lacey Skulls from VH1's Rock of Love. And this is Talk of Love, the new podcast. This isn't just reality, this is real life. Hey everyone, it's Lacey motherfucking Skulls, and this is episode 18 of the Talk of Love podcast. So uh, I'm going to be bringing up uh, 12-pack, a.k.a. Dave. You guys know him from... Uh, I Love New York, you know him from I Love Money, you you know him from Daisy of Love. He's such a great guy, and we're going to be bringing him up here in a couple of minutes. Um, but first, I want to get a little bit serious with you guys just for a few minutes. Now, you guys know that I generally don't get into politics on this podcast, um, especially right now. It's just super divisive, and I know that I have people from all walks of life who watch the podcast, so um, I'm not over here trying to alienate anybody, so that's why I keep politics out of the podcast. But you also know that I am an activist. You know I'm very outspoken, and one thing that um, really matters a lot to me, it should matter to all of us, is the uh, the topic of civil rights or just rights in general. Civil rights, human rights, um, equality, LGBTQ, gender equality, marginalized groups should all have the same rights as everybody else. Uh, it's very important animal rights, you guys know. That matters a lot to me as well. So um, I, as I said, I, I believe that we're on all on board with that, especially about civil rights, because that affects all of us, or it could affect all of us. So um, one of the rights that we have as Americans, which is great, we have the right to due process. If we are accused of a crime, then we get to go through the process of uh, having a jury of our peers decide if we are guilty. If we're not guilty, we get to have representation all of that. And it's an important right. That's what separates the United States and Americans and our democracy from tyranny. There's a huge difference. And so we are lucky that we get these rights. And it's important that we stand up for these rights. Um, now, on a side note, uh, let's talk about police officers for a second. Uh, there's a lot of great, great cops out there, a lot of wonderful cops who um, honor the their their oath as police officers. They genuinely do care about people. They genuinely are there to, to make sure that we're safe. They risk their lives for us. And that is a, a, a gift and a, and a privilege that we as Americans oftentimes take for granted. So that is the majority of police officers. There is a very, very small few rogue police officers that do not adhere to those standards and they end up being judge, jury, and executioner. The problem with that is that when a when a rogue officer decides to be judge, jury, and, and executioner, um, it causes the American citizen to lose his or her rights. And that goes against the very basis of what our country was founded upon. Uh, speaking of that, if you guys consider for a minute the Declaration of Independence in 1776, the most well-known lines from the Declaration of Independence are that we are all created as equals, and that we are all granted inalienable rights, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, so that is something that um, our country was founded upon. That is the basis of who we are as Americans. So if we ever see our society going off track one way, what we should do to figure out, you know, if we are on track, if we're not, is go back to the Constitution and go back to the Declaration of Independence. And what does it say? What was the intention behind that? So, um, of course, this is going to lead me into George Floyd and his senseless, horrific murder. Um, of course, there have been thousands and thousands before him. Uh, this is a conversation that we need to have. It is so important, and we really need to acknowledge it because there is a lot of pain right now there's a lot of hurt. Um, it's pain and hurt that I cannot understand fully because I am a white person, but I can uh, I can try to understand. Um, but I just am bringing this up because I'm always going to be a, a voice for the underdog. I'm always going to speak out for people who are being oppressed or whose rights are being violated as American citizens because to violate the rights of American citizens, to violate civil rights is un-American. It is not democracy. It's going down a dangerous path. So we need to have these conversations. We need to be educated. We need to be open-minded. We need to be aware. And um, I hope that you guys really consider what I'm saying here. Civil rights are the basis, the foundation of our country. And we need to do everything possible 
you know, including voting, um, having making sure that our leaders are uh, on the up and up, and um, making sure that our police are on the up and up. So um, it's a conversation that needs to keep being had because this is a serious problem in our country of um, people having their civil rights violated, people losing their lives unfairly. So um, with that, I just want to say, rest in peace, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Um, <laughs> it's an emotional subject. Okay, so we're going to shift gears now. Um, on a little bit more happier note, I'm super excited to announce our next guest, uh, guest and that is 12-Pack. And you know him from I Love, sorry, not, yes, I Love Money. <laughs> My brain's not working anymore. You know him from I Love Money, I Love New York, Daisy of Love. Welcome, Dave. Hey, what's up, Dave? How are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I cannot complain. You look fantastic. Life's been treating you well? Life has been really, really good. Life's been awesome. I don't know what else to say. I wish I was still on TV, but I'm happy where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, podcast, I guess, is the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, awesome. I'm so excited to have you on. And I got to say, of of all the guests, it seems like every new guest I bring on, the fans are like, oh my God, this one's my favorite. Oh no, this one's my favorite. This one's my favorite. And I will say that when I announced you, it got a huge fan reaction. And um, did you know that you, even still after all these years, were such a fan favorite? I tried to be, you know, I was young and I was able to act a little stupider than I can now. So um, I'm glad that people uh, people enjoyed it. I'm glad they, that I'm still a fan favorite, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me that, you know, 12 years later, I mean, I was addicted to um, Flavor of Love and I Love New York and all of those shows before I was ever on uh, Rock of Love. I just, I love the show so much. And But it's amazing. It's kind of turned into this like, cult following. Uh, I know that the shows are still on streaming, different streaming networks. And it's just, it's for me, it's just like really cool to see how much people are still digging it. Like, did you realize that the shows were going to be this popular this many years later? Not, not at all. I actually, I did an episode of Eliminate before I did these shows. Oh, you did? I did. And it aired at three in the morning. Nobody saw it. Maybe 12 people saw it. So I figured, okay, this is going to be the same thing, you know? Um, and here we are 12 years later and people are still saying, I just watched you on Netflix and Hulu. And, you know, we were on TV for a decade, really, when you think about it, because they replayed the love shows every year during a Valentine's Day. And I Love New York was always in the mix and Rock of Love and everything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, I think that's amazing that you're on Eliminate. I didn't know that, but I was one of like the five people who watched that show because I was, <laughs> I was always an, I'm like a severe night owl. Like I'm straight up nocturnal and people think I'm just like uh, partying all night, but like, it's really not the case. I do most of my work um, at nighttime, whether it's music or whether it's this, I'm always like up till five in the morning doing work and then sleeping till noon. And so, but I've always been that way. And so I used to watch these late night shows as I was going to bed. Eliminate was one of them. I think there was another one called like the fifth week or something like that. It was about the same time. Yeah, that and the blind date obviously was the one. I like to eliminate because I got to eliminate girls. So it's like <laughs> actually on dating show. You know, if people think about it that way, it was one episode at three in the morning and I got to pick between three girls. There you, know? you go. Yeah, that was, I, I guess if you think about all the shows that sort of were like, the foundation of what was to come. You know, I mean, obviously the Of Love shows were like better times a thousand and really had got it down. But yeah, those like little Eliminate shows. I, I think people just always love to see that. That's why I like The Bachelor is so um, popular and, and people just like to see the dating kind of shows. It's just, it's fun for people. So um, I dig it. Yeah, when, I, when I watch them, like I watched The Bachelor and I never watched that show, but my wife watches The Bachelor. So I'm like, that's we're going to watch it together, right? Now I can't sit through it because I'm going, oh, I would have been this or I would have done <laughs> yeah. that. Or she's like, enough, that was a decade ago. But, um, you know, I, I think I like it when they actually are like, are they really love, are they really going to make it? You know, which is a little different, I think, than probably our shows, you know, because people probably thought it was weird and wanted to see love, but I could have poured it on a little bit more back then and, you know, <laughs> tried to make it work, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I do want to get into all of that, but first... Uh, I want to find out, and I know everybody wants to know, um, obviously you're doing really well for yourself, but like, what has life been like for you after the show? Like, who is the real Dave uh, that people don't know about? I know you're married now. I know you have kids. You've got some really cool projects that you're working on right now. So tell us all, what, what has life been like for the past 10 years for you? 
Um, pretty, you know, interesting. Definitely not how I pictured it before this show. Um, when I got cast for the shows, I was a senior in college. I had a degree in English. I minored in filmmaking. I was going to consider law school. Then I started studying economics. New York City road. I'm going to go work in finance. Um, normal life. Make as much money as I can and uh, have a wife and kids. That was the plan and hope to be on TV. Luckily, one day, maybe. And um, so I get on the shows and here we are. I didn't start working right after the shows because we toured for three years. The Party Boys tour. You know, I mean, that was we made money and we enjoyed it and we can't really work as you know, because you can't like just say, Hey guys, I'm out this week or next week. Like when I work, you got to work and you got to own your job and you can't be taking days off or having distractions. And I couldn't even, when I actually was on, I love New York. I was a lifeguard in the summer. I was a 23 year old lifeguard at a swimming pool. And here I am wow. sitting out of the pool and people are like, recognize me. And I'm like, I have to quit. And I had to quit my job. So, wow. you know, everything just changed a lot for me, but, um, I met my wife on right before Days of Love, and we got together. And honestly, we've just stuck together for the last eleven years. Wow! Um, you, know, you guys have been together place. for eleven yeah. years. Yeah, we have a ten-year-old. He's going to be eleven in December. So, oh my God. yeah. That's so when you awesome. saw Daisy here, she was watching it with me. You know, so we were literally watching me on a dating show with a girl I was kind of into at the time. But it was it was in the past because we filmed it months earlier. Um, but anyway, you know, I've How always been funny. Into I love that. Yeah, yeah it's, I, trust me, she's, she's super laid back, you know, and honestly, I couldn't have it any way. When I met her, I was like, I don't want a girlfriend. She's like, I'm not looking for a boyfriend. We're like, perfect. And I know. love it. Well, just to interject, um, my husband watched uh, Rock of Love before he and I ever even met. And he had a girlfriend at the time and the girlfriend was uh, recovering from a surgery and she was really into Rock of Love and she was like, you know, asking him if he can just take care of her while she recovers. And so they just sat and watched Rock of Love together. And um, so I'm like, you basically had like a like a 12 episode disclaimer of what you're getting into with me. But um, but he's the same, like he loves Brett. He thinks Brett is like super awesome. He doesn't get weirded out by watching any of those shows. And we actually um, ran into Brett uh, backstage at one of his shows here in Las Vegas about six or seven months ago. And my husband got to meet Brett and he was like super stoked about it. And like Brett was super nice to him. It was like, it was really cool. So if you can have a spouse that is like, not weirded out by that, then like, that's just perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, you need that. I mean, that's more important than any looks or, you know, anything else, you know, it's going to be how, how compatible are you? How cool is that person? Like how down is that person for whatever, how bad you're feeling that day or if you want to just go have fun. So yeah, of course that's, that's what you got for, you know, and I lucky I found it when I did, cause it worked out. But anyway, you know, um, I was a sports memorabilia guy. That's always what I've been. I actually owned a sports memorabilia auction house when Daisy Love was on uh, the air. I was just talking to my employees from the house. And um, I ended up doing that for a little bit, took a job at Steiner Sports managing their auction and um, got offered a position at a different auction house where I moved to here, South Jersey. And we're killing it. That's we just awesome. did 11 million in sales. Our last auction, we're going to do 50 million in sales this year. Everyone else is, I understand it's a bad time with the pandemic and everything, but I mean, Sportsmobile is an all-time record high. We sold one card for a million dollars in the last auction. So Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, life that's is good. So I, bought, I, I got four pieces of property, rental properties. Um, you know, we're not struggling and complaining. So, you know, life's good. Dude, that's so awesome. Congratulations. I, I love hearing that. That makes me really, really happy. There's nothing that makes me happier than seeing uh, the castmates or people that were part of these shows continue on and flourish and do great for themselves. So, and and I also, I was going to say to you, I, I think I'm about 10 years older than you because I was in my early 30s. I think I was 30 or 31 when I did Rock of Love. And, um, and you were in your early 20s. I can't even imagine doing a show of that caliber um, and that just how big that show was and how intense it was in my early 20s. I don't, I don't know if I could handle that. I'm actually pretty impressed that you were that young when you first got into all this. Well, luckily, um, and yes, and being from the north, when you're in your mid twenties, you're even younger because everything up north, you know, it happens quickly, but it happens later. You don't just go buy your house at eighteen. You stay home until you're twenty-five. You go to grad school, like you know, you go out and buy a house at twenty-eight, twenty-nine. So I'm at a disadvantage on these shows where it's like this guy lives at home with his parents or this and that. I'm like, yeah, I just graduated college and. You know, I was lifeguarding a swimming pool company prior to this. Granted, I owned my own company and I was innovative and stuff, but 
you know, I mean, I, yeah, I was a young kid who literally was just about to get his first starting career position and instead took three years on reality TV and toured the country and just collected as much cash as I could and spent it on. I got nothing to show for. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Good for you. And um, I want to talk about your wife for a second. Where did you guys meet? You said you've been married for 11 years. Um, where'd you guys meet? Where'd you get married? How did all that happen? Did you know you always wanted kids? Um, we met in the craziest of environments. Mike Busey is, uh, he's kind of like a celeb reality guy. He's not been on a show, but Mike Busey out of Orlando is this eccentric character who's known for having parties at his house in Orlando. He had a spring break tour. Before I left for Daisy, I said, book me on anything. And he's like, are you sure? I said, I don't care. My schedule's open. I'm not booking while I'm gone. So I come back from Daisy and he's like, I booked you the whole month. So I was wow. like, okay, great. So me and my buddy drove to Orlando. We had no responsibility for a month. And it was like being on a reality show. He was filming. There was girls there. I met my wife the first night uh, in the house and we literally just stuck together the whole tour. Nice. And then, yeah, when it ended, you're kind of like, wow, you're in this part of the country. I'm here. And so we just got together and then, um, and then she got pregnant and we were going to try to make it work anyway. But at that point we moved into, and uh, here we are, you know, nice. Years later. That's awesome. That's so great. I love it. So in 11 years, that's, and you said you have two kids. Uh, we have, we have two boys and I have a third boy on the way. I just found out. Oh my so. gosh. Congratulations, Dave. That's amazing. That's yeah, so awesome. It's cool. I'm one of three boys. My dad's one of three boys and my grandfather's one of three boys. So <laughs> I've got three boys now. So. Uh, the good for you guys. I'm so happy for you both. That's great. So um, how did, so, okay, before I get into, I have one more question about your personal life. Um, yeah. I am super into um, to film. My husband is a big film movie buff. Um, and you said that you studied film in college. And I know that you you just got done working on a project that I was actually a part of. Um, so tell us about your interest in film and, and where that is in your life. Sure. Yeah, it's always been a passion of mine. When I was in eighth grade, I used to skateboard and we would video each other skateboarding. We made sponsor tapes and we were editing these back when the primitive editing software. I used oh, to wow. take 16 millimeter slice it, you know, tape it together, use oh, it on the projector God. with the CD player playing over here, like old school stuff. And um, I just always liked it. So when I was in college, I was a film minor. I made some hilarious films and actually they're all on mini DV tapes. So I'm trying to convert them. And for the last 12 years, I've been focused on career you know, purchasing real estate, getting myself to a point where I don't spend every hour making money. I can spend hours doing fun things, hanging out with the children and filmmaking takes some time, you know, obviously, but, oh, yeah. you know, I just decided, you know, you got to do it, you know, while you can. And uh, yeah, I put together um, a YouTube channel just a month ago and um, I, one of my first projects with the coronavirus, I made a little uh, celeb reality guide to uh, the coronavirus pandemic and uh, I had Lacey uh, do some filming in Vegas. So I, you can see downtown Las Vegas. I captured New York City and I got a bunch of other celebs involved. And uh, I'm going to try to keep putting something out every month or so on my channel. I've got a play that I was the lead role in off Broadway that I got to edit. It's like a full hour and 45 minutes. So I got my hands full on projects, but you'll see stuff coming out very soon. That's awesome, Dave. And I got to say, I was very impressed with the uh, mini documentary about the coronavirus. I, I thought you did a great job putting that together. It was very um, informative and just an interesting perspective. And they had some humor in there too. So I, th I thought you did a great job with that. Um, yeah. How do people find your YouTube channel? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I just put in Dave Hammerman in the search bar because my YouTube name's like some crazy long letters. So Dave12Pack Hammerman is the YouTube channel name. I think I've got a handful of subscribers. So please subscribe. And uh, it's, you know, it's just getting started now. So I'm going to be putting stuff out. I made a commitment Instead of going to the gym every day for so many hours or going to jujitsu, I decided I'm going to devote those hours to filmmaking and putting product out there and just keep it going for at least a decade or so while I still can, you know. That's great. I'm all for that. Any kind of like creative projects, and especially with like Netflix and everything, um, they're picking up all kinds of different filmmakers and documentarians and, you know, so much cool stuff is coming out on that front. So I love seeing my friends get involved in it. So that's awesome. Um, so, okay. How did you get in, how did you end up auditioning for I Love New York? Because, so you did um, the first TV show that you did that we were talking about earlier was Eliminate. And after Eliminate, um, is that when you did I Love New York? Did you go right into that? Did you have to audition? How did that all happen? 
Yeah, Eliminate is how I got into the system and how I got started with all this. So I, I didn't answer my phone. You know, when I was younger, it would just have 30 voicemails and stuff. And voicemail 27 was a producer saying you should come on this show. I met her at a club at the Jersey Shore drinking and just having fun. And uh, I didn't even remember meeting her. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a New York number. I'll go. Got the Eliminate uh, role. They had me in the system and they called me a year later and said, hey, we got another thing. It's uh, guys competing for a girl. She's kind of like... Um, uh, I don't know how they described her, um, you know, not like a mistress. I, I forget the term, you know, like just like like New York. How do you describe her? I guess that's yeah. how they did it. Um, and, you know, I was like, OK, that's fine. I'm going to go. I'm going to get punked, you know, and they're looking for guys that look like models to go after this, like ridiculously heavy set girl or something crazy. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, I'll I'll try it out. And, um, you know, she was better looking than I thought. But, yeah, that's honestly I had a girlfriend at the time and I wasn't going to do it. She said, hey, you know, if you go, I'm going to break up with you. I said, I'm not going to go. I don't need to do all that stuff. And then I just kept saying yes to the producers every time they called me. So I'm telling her yes. I'm telling them yes. And enough yes is <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> yeah. So uh, did you end up, did your, <clears throat> obviously your girlfriend didn't stay with you. Did she break up with you because you did I Love New York? Or did you guys fizzle out and then you decided to go do I Love New York? Well, right before I got on the plane or right before we left, we hung out the night before. And then she's like, hey, you know, I can't be with you if you're on the show. And I was like, OK, so I guess I'm like technically single. So that was the mentality. But my thought was when this show's over a month, I'm going to go home. We're going to hang out and whatever happens. She did her thing. I did mine. Um, she ended up hooking up with one of my friends. Oh, um, while I was on the show. Damn. So obviously I wasn't going to get back with her and I had rekindled it with my ex. But honestly, I had, my friend owed me, you know, I'd <laughs> stolen some gold from him in the past. So, you know, that's fine. He got me back. There you go. So, well, we're all glad that you decided to go with I Live in New York. So <laughs> that worked yes. out for us. <laughs> me too. Me too. So, lasted long. <laughs> so um, did you, had you seen Flavor of Love before you did I Love in New York? Like, did you know what you're getting yourself into? Not a clue. Never. <laughs> oh, God. I feel so, sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I wasn't a reality TV guy. I was in college. I was playing sports. I was watching sports. I'm a sports nut. You know, that's me. So reality TV didn't come on the TV with ESPN or nothing, really. And this is before <laughs> all the apps and everything, you know, where you can just check scores on your phone. So, yeah, I was busy. I mean, we were out literally hanging out every night, hitting the clubs in New York City, just like, you know, I was enjoying life. And so I never watched the shows or anything. And here I am, like, it was good that I didn't have the history because people were like, oh, you like so bringing up parts from uh, I Love New York or Flavor of Love to New York. And, you know, sometimes that's good, but sometimes it makes you feel like you're there for TV. Right. And I didn't have any of that. Yeah. So for me. Yeah. You know what? So if you're a sports guy, one thing I think I've never told anybody publicly, I, I didn't really think much of it, but I was actually, I'm not a sports person at all. I'm like, just suck it. Like catching, throwing is like not my thing. Um, but I got asked by, um, I can't remember if it was the production company or if it was VH1, but I guess uh, Ocho Cinco had a dating show. And uh, and so and I, I didn't even know who that was. And I, I'm sure he's like somebody like huge and I'm just completely clueless. But I got asked to do um, Ocho Cinco and I was like, eh. Not really. I'm more of just like a rocker chick. And I, I knew that I would just be, I, if I didn't even know who he was, I knew I'd be so like fish out of water that I'd probably be like laughed off the set. <laughs> that's, that's just, that's exactly it. That's what I was in. I was in that version of that show for you, for me. That makes because, sense. Because, you know, out of my element, Daisy, a love, different story, you know, but right. I'm used to get along with. So, and I was bigger than everybody pretty much there. <laughs> so it was you know, no problem, right? Really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to say, I personally uh, really like New York a lot. Um, the fans have heard me say this over and over again, but I'll, I'll tell it to you. Um, New York was the whole reason what I was basing my Evil Lacey character on. Um, I was just loved, I loved Flavor of Love. I loved, um, I love New York. I loved New York, the person and the show. And watching her and, and watching how she navigated the whole thing, uh, when I got invited to do Rock of Love, I was like, I have to be the rocker version of New York. Like, I just have to. Like, that is my calling. <laughs> and so I really dug her. I met her a couple of times um, outside of the shows, but just like sort of in passing and like, you know, parties and stuff like that. And I found her to be very, very sweet, very, very, very lovely, um, very kind, very smiley. Like she short, which was weird because I'm short and she was actually shorter than me. <laughs> but I really liked her a lot. But um, 
on the show, she kind of takes on a persona as well. And she's just this is like hell on wheels. So um, a lot to deal with. I would imagine. I, I would be a bit terrified to be on a show with her. I have to be honest. <laughs> so where's this, where's this Lacey now though? I mean, you know, I've obviously, I guess without the alcohol, I kind of been more normal. Um, you know, when I'm not drinking, I realized on the show I had to drink a lot. I mean, are you kind of like that yes. character in real life now? Or was that just like, I want to, I want to ham it up. Well, both really. Um, I, it depends on the circumstances. Like um, normally in my normal life, things don't warrant evil Lacey taking control of the situation. Now, I definitely have that person inside of me, but she just like, you know, she's she's like hanging out in the bar- backyard, like cooking barbecue and like, <laughs> I'll call her when I need her. But um, no, I mean, the, the me that, that you guys all see on the podcast is generally how I am. If um, some shit goes down, then yeah, Evil Lacey will come out. But I, because I know I have that side in me, when I did the show, um, I was like, I basically have to take that version of me and the most extreme version of me and put it on on for the duration of the entire show. Well, while we're talking about our characters, then I might as well get into uh, I might as well get into the 12 pack uh, character here. Yeah, that's so you guys were given names. We we got to keep our own names and um, it would be strange to me for somebody else to give me the name. So, uh, yeah, let, let us let's get into that. Tell us about how that all happened. How did you feel about it? And did how much of you was a character? How much of it was real? Let's get into that. Yeah, well, you know, obviously when we're on camera, you know, we have to look our best. So we would always, uh, you know, we would always put some eyeliner on, some mascara. You know, we really tried to uh, do it big. So, um, you know, my secret to success, honestly, was uh, the Jaeger bombs. <laughs> yes. Woo! Now we're talking. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, need to, we need to get started here. It's Let's already get that party started. Um, Woo. I just had to start drinking. You know, that was really what it came down to. I got to say, I love to drink. I'm a big, big drinker. If we were hanging out, I would definitely be probably not Jaeger. We've all seen what happens to Lacey on Jaeger, but I'd be falling off the bar in Vegas. But um, yeah, I'm at the studio. I have to drive home. Otherwise, I would be totally, I'd be doing my vodka shots with you. I love it. I'll take, I'll take one for you. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I was so anyway, drunk the I whole time. I'm sure you were as well. You had to be drunk to get through the shows, right? Um, yeah. I mean, you had to do something entertaining. Really, that's what it came down to. And I realized when I didn't have some drinks, you know, I'm just kind of, okay, like whatever, rolling with the flow. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you have some drinks and you just, uh, you know, you just... I don't know why. For some reason, I'm a little bit funnier when I have some drinks. So um, <laughs> I, I'm all for that. I'm in favor of that. And I realized that was kind of it. You know, there was one night when I was in the house and I was just I was drinking this flat. I mean, you could ask for drinks. You, you know, you could ask for whatever you wanted. So I was like, I need like a gallon of Tangeray and some Seven Up and some orange juice. And we had these nice uh, vases on the tables for decoration. I'm filling them with Tangeray and I'm walking around the room and I'm drinking the Sprite. And the next thing you know, it's three in the morning and I've been up dancing and telling jokes and people are like, whoa, like, where have you been for the last four days? And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's it. Tangeray all day, every day. Awesome. I love it. That's amazing. Um, so I have, um, I have a few fan questions um, that I want to ask because these are some good ones. Um, so we're going to be jumping around a little bit, so you have to bear with me. Um, let's fast forward to um, Daisy of Love. So uh, one of the Instagram fans, uh, her name is Molly, Molly, these names, Molly Lamel. She says, um, any background regarding uh, Daisy of Love? It seemed like the guys were dropping out left and right voluntarily. How did you feel about, and also how did you feel about the whole London thing coming back? Um, so yeah, this is a two-part um, question. Yeah, so I thought that too. That was actually one of the first things I noticed when I watched um, Daisy of Love is how many guys were like jumping ship. And I was like, ah, oh, poor Daisy. And oh, by the way, on the podcast, I ha- just because it's such an amazing name, I-, I don't usually refer to her as Daisy. I refer to her as the Moss Man. Did you, did you know that that's okay. her real name? I know that's her real name, okay, because she did a party in New York and my friend had her come out and I took her to the airport in the morning um, and I saw her ticket, you know, and it was it was her real name. And I don't repeat it out loud because she, my first or second day in the house, 
she's like, hey, I want to get to know the real you. And I was like, I'm not here for TV. And I want to get to know the real, you know, uh, and I told, I said her real name. And she's like, oh, don't say that. Like, got scared. And I was like, and I don't even say it now, obviously, because I'm like, hey, you know, like, that's what you want. So (laughs) be it. So, yeah, I wanted to call her by her real name, which, you know, I won't repeat because I don't know, for some reason, she didn't want people to know. But I saw people online posting that. and They all know her last name now. And I'm going, what is from. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. So I'm an asshole and all of the people who watch Talk of Love know that I openly admit it, that I am an asshole. And listen, I get that people have stage names. Um, if if Daisy, and Daisy Delahoya is an amazing name. It's such a great name. If she if she owned her real name instead of like ran from it, then um, if she was like, yeah, I'm fucking Daisy Mossman or I'm Vanessa Mossman, hell yeah. Uh, I would totally be cool with it. But because she is like hiding it from it. I'm like, well, then of course, and now I have to make fun of it. I mean, you leave me with no choice. So I always loved Mossman because I, I felt like it was like a superhero, but it was almost like a Swamp Man superhero where she's like, where's the moss? I will destroy it. I am Mossman, you know? <laughs> or or I've actually like done one better, the Mossinator. I think that's got like some punch to it, like the Mossinator. So right. if you hear me, <laughs> I'm an <laughs> asshole. If you hear me saying that, that's I'm referring to Daisy because she's a superhero warrior of Moss. So, um, <laughs> just, I mean, it doesn't strike me as as a Moss man, but um, why, why don't you and Daisy get to get along? You know, it's not really that we don't get along. Um, she's one of the few girls that the, the few interactions that I've had with her, she just wasn't particularly nice to me. And more so, she was sort of like stuck up and kind of like snubbed me. And I could go like, well, one time we all have bad nights, you know, who knows what was happening in her night and I came along, whatever. But it's been like, I've run into her like four or five times and literally everybody else I've, I've met from these shows has just been super friendly and cool. And I just kind of always felt like, snubbed by her. Like, it, I don't know if it was like a stuck up thing. And so um, I kind of was like not digging her for that reason. But to be fair, um, maybe what I'm perceiving as being stuck up or arrogance, maybe that's insecurity. Maybe that's, she just doesn't like me. That There could be other factors in there, but she just hasn't been particularly nice to me. So I just kind of give that myself a green green light, a free pass to, you know, bust her Buster balls a little bit. So there you have it. <laughs> Although I probably would have her on the podcast one of these days. I don't know if she would come on, but um, but uh, we need the Mossinator. <laughs> Talk about me yeah, too much. <laughs> but she needs to wear a green, like superhero cape and then she can come on. That's the only requirement. <laughs> well, I feel like I totally didn't even start to answer the question. No, you didn't. I, was, I totally went on. Sorry, it's what I do. I went off on a tangent. Oh, good. I asked so, you one. Um, so, so in terms of people dropping like flies, I mean, I look at the shows, right? It's like a sporting event, like a tournament. You know, you got your brackets, you go down to the end, you get your winners. And along the way, somebody might injury default, somebody might, you know, end up getting disqualified. Someone might get sick. So, you know, you have to catch these breaks. This is, the, this is one of the hardest tournaments of your life. You know, I mean, to make it to this, this is big time. You're on a show. This is extra episodes. So, uh, you know, on I Love New York, uh, we had Pootie who threw himself down the stairs, got eliminated. We had yeah. this other guy, Wood, who was big and jacked, bigger than me. And he was on a show. So he got eliminated. So, like, you kind of just skate your way down to where you make it. So same thing with Daisy. I didn't think I was skating anywhere because, uh, you know, I was looking around going, am I, is someone else going to beat me here? Like, or, or am I going to win? Like I was looking for the other person. I wasn't necessarily saying, okay, I got to beat him or him or him. I figured I would get down to the last couple people. Um, so I didn't really notice the people dropping out. I mean, London was really one of the only ones to drop out. Yeah, uh, I thought else- that was shitty, the whole thing. I think a lot of people thought that was shitty. Um, you know, regardless of how you feel about Daisy, um, she did seem to be into him and he seemed to be like, Super wishy-washy. And I've never met London, so I don't know the guy. Um, Rumor has it that he, like, kind of did a few girls dirty. He seemed to have done... Daisy Dirty, He there was another girl that supposedly, allegedly, I don't know if this is fact or not, but apparently he got some other girl pregnant during that time period. So how did you feel about all of that? Because if I was there, and because I know you actually legitimately had feelings for Daisy, had I been in your shoes, I'd be like, what the shit is this? Get this guy the fuck out of here who can't make up his fucking mind. And I'm here and I can. It just seemed a bit fair from, unfair, sorry, from the viewer perspective. How, what were your thoughts on all that? 
Didn't really bother me. Didn't bother me when he left. Didn't bother me when he came back. Um, really? I wasn't like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, what do I care? You know, I'm already like in this. And honestly, I wanted to finish second. You know, as much as I like Daisy and maybe I finish second and we end up together afterwards. But I have to finish second to get a dating show. And, you know, I don't spend the last four years working on film projects and going on TV and going back on TV to end up just being a contestant on an I Love Love show, which right. ultimately, you know, was the destiny, I guess, at this point in my life. Um, so I didn't care, you know, if he was back. I didn't think he was going to win. You know, I just didn't even view him as a competitor. It wasn't until after the show when I started hanging out with him a little bit at parties when I saw him talking to really attractive girls. And I was like, OK, like this guy, he, he, he maybe was competition, you know, <laughs> um, but it didn't, it didn't matter. You know, I mean, whether I won or not. It's a show. We're all there to, you know, have some fun. And we all can keep those connections after the show if we really want to make something happen. But like when I met my girlfriend months later, I told her, I just got another show. I make it to the finals. I'm in great shape. I walk around shirtless. Like, I'm going to be able to meet other girls. Like, why do I want to be tied to one? And I'm sure Daisy or anyone in Bachelor, if you watch the relationships in Bachelor, they never stay together because they're on Instagram with a million people hitting them up. Like, right, yeah. Have fun with that. I always think back and think, hmm. I missed 12 years of, you know, in my relationship of not, not doing anything like that. And I'm a loyal guy, you know, I mean, I don't cross the lines whatsoever. So, you know, for me, that's okay. This is where I'm supposed to be. I got two and a half kids and, uh, you know, life's good. That's awesome. And did you stay friends with Daisy after the show? I think I saw a, an earlier interview where you were saying you guys kind of kept in touch and things were cool. You seem like pretty, I, I, I get the vibe that like not much bothers you. <laughs> Not, but not much bothers me at all, actually. Look at this. I'm going to do a Johnny Blue Label bomb with yes. Jaeger. That's got to be sacrilegious it. for some whiskey fans, but today's the day. So I like yeah. this. I like this 12 pack. I like this Dave. <laughs> I wish I was there doing shots with you. You're going to have to do an, another one for me now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, so you stayed, you stayed cool with Daisy for a little while after that, right? Are you guys still cool? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, we both are at totally different spots in our life. We don't talk regularly. I saw she was kind of in a bad place a few years ago. Yeah. I reached out on Facebook and said, listen, I just hope if you're all right, if you're good, you know, just, just checking in saying, um, you know, I'm still around, you know what I mean? Something to that That's effect. nice of you. And she just wrote back like, you know, thank you. And like, <laughs> and like appreciate that. You know, but it was, it was heartfelt. Yeah. And to oh, me, okay. that validated the last 10 years of not talking. That meant like, yo, in 10 years from now, if you're down and out or I'm down and out and I say, what's up? Hopefully you'll be cool enough to even say what's up back, you know, but again, you have your true fans and you have others that maybe, you know, you just want to be friendly with. So yeah, we'll put her more in that category. Yeah. That makes sense. This is really good, by the way. Yeah, man. I'm wow. super jelly. I, I, that looks amazing. <laughs> Love it. I know I need one too now. Um, so one thing that I've always said on this podcast is that the, producers are the real villains on these shows. And I thought they did you so dirty um, on your exit from Daisy Love with being left in the in the parking lot. Fucking brutal. And I'm quite certain that was not a decision that Daisy came to. I'm sure that was a producer thing, but let's, let's get into that for a second. Yeah, in hindsight, when you think about it, brutal. You know, I mean- Shitty, I just too. Like what? Yes. Like it was clearly designed to make you look stupid and to humiliate you, and it was totally, totally unnecessary. And I just feel like the producers do that every so often. Like I feel like we give them so much good, like content and all kinds of like great drama, and and they just like don't need to take it there. And I mean, they've done some of that shit to me. They've done it to some of the others, yeah. um, and that was like yours of having to deal with that, of like the shit that the producers do to you. So, I mean, that that could not have been fun to watch back either, I'm sure. Well, remember, I come on this show wanting to connect with Daisy. And if it's really fireworks, I'm leaving with Daisy, right? But if it's just what I figured it would be, then I am on this show to make crazy exit that people are going to remember and say, this guy is the next guy in line. Just like you girls were thinking, you know, with with who was going to get the show for the girls, because I remember Mark and Chris Abreu always talking about we need a girl or we need another guy. So you knew, like, you're one of fifteen, one of ten people. You got to do something big. So my my envision of the whole show was the exit. So I think that they made it like hurt more, you know, because they wanted it to hurt for me 
to be like, okay, because they told me before the exit date, you got to make the finals. Believe it or not, after the dinner I had with Daisy the night before, they pulled me aside and said, what the F was that? They were like, what was that? I was like, I don't know. I just like kind of froze. The other two were taking the conversations and making her laugh. I was just like, I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of here. Um, and, you know, it was, I was actually like, literally hungover midday. It was a long, long flight, long day. Um, you know, and, and they were like, what was that? So the next morning when I got eliminated, I was already like, I need to put the fireworks on. Like, this is my moment now. I see people now saying, oh, man, he got left in the tarmac. They did me a little dirty with the editing, though, where I'm sitting there going, I can't believe this. I really I had this whole speech. You know, I can't believe she left me. The girls don't love me. And they bleep me out. And I'm just going. Oh, uh, <laughs> jeans like flying away. Oh, yeah, it was brutal. My yeah. dad was cracking up. And I was like, thanks, dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So that was actually the next question I was going to ask you, because I, I heard rumors that you were supposed to get your own show, too. I know there was about 10 of us that were supposed to until that fucking asshole, um, I wouldn't even call him an asshole, fucking monster, uh, Ryan killed his wife and just fucked everything up for everybody. But you were supposed to get your own show as well. Did they have like a title picked out yet? Or did you have any details yet? Or were you not there yet? Or tell us about that. Um, I mean, I, I got the call right after the tarmac scene. I got the call from Chris Sobrego. Um, and he says, man, you nailed it. I heard, I heard you were crying. I mean, you know, you really killed it. We're definitely going to do the I Love Dave or I Love 12 Pack show. You know, you did it. You got your show. And I was like, man, it was just surreal. Yeah. Even though as much as it sucked going to Hawaii for a day and a half, my whole plane ride home is like, I did it. Like that sense of accomplishment where you're like, I've accomplished it. You know, that's I closed awesome. down the home or I closed the big million dollar deal. Or I, you know, whatever it was you're trying to do, that's how you felt, right? Yeah, that's and awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And then, you know, a month goes by, two, three, and you're like, okay, like when, when am I starting filming? You know, and then you're like, wait a minute, that was one convo. Like we didn't sign contracts. So I was like getting a little worried, but then sure enough, four months later, here's the call. And it was a executive producer. And he's like, okay, we're going to write the show. We just want to make sure you're going to be on board if we do. And I was like, yeah, of course. That's what, I, that's what I'm here for. And they're like, great. And then I never heard from again ever about it until I reached out to them saying, hey, guys, it's been three years. I can't even get a job. Can you at least say I worked for 51 Minds for a few years? And they're like, yeah, don't worry. We'll cover you there. I'm like, oh, by the way, yeah, they don't like, you know, seeing me in my Speedo when I go to interview at finance positions, you know, or unfortunately. <laughs> Man, it's crazy, crazy. That would have been such an awesome show for you to have your own spinoff. Especially, I mean, there's so many great guys from both um, Daisy of Love and um, I Love New York. And oh, so back to I Love New York. One other thing I was going to ask you about. the One of my favorite episodes was with you and the skunk. That was hilarious. That, so, I mean, that, that was just amazing because there's no way the producers could have set that up. It's not like they have like a pet skunk or something. I mean, how did the skunk get into the house again? I refreshed my memory. Yeah. Like, so that, again, is one of those moments like, okay, that's going to be like talk soup clip of the week, which, yes. which it actually was. It was talk soup clip of the week. So I have that under my belt. Plus, nice. when I was 26, I did a VH1 Where Are They Now? So nice. I don't know what I've been doing for the last 11 years, but I've already done the Where Are They Now? So I'm, I'm way gone now. There you go. Um, but in terms of the skunk, yeah, we were just, again, we were just drinking, having a good time in the house. And uh, it's, you know, like the, those houses in LA, they were wide open in the back and things and the Property's large, and uh, literally, it's just like whoa! Like, there's a skunk in here, and all of a sudden, it just runs by, and we're like, "Oh shoot!" I'm in my underwear. We're in the we're in the jacuzzi in our underwear, <laughs> and now we're in the house, like just dropped off, and the skunk runs in. So here we are. I'm chasing it uh, with a chair, and I block it in the corner. And I get sprayed, and yes, it really sprayed me. And it, it's not like a mist that smells like a skunk when you're walking a mile away from it. It's like you know, like it's fucking I can't brutal. physically breathe. You yeah. can't physically even get a breath in. It's crazy. I have actually, uh, my dogs got sprayed by a skunk before, and I had to run in the middle as it was happening and rescue the skunk from my dogs. And so I got nailed, and it was, it was so fucking brutal. It's and it's like it's right. It's not just like a bad smell. Like you can't fucking breathe. And what was so funny is I had to go to um, PetSmart to go get like pet shampoo to get the skunk smell off. They have like a special kind of thing for dogs with the skunks. And I walk into PetSmart and everybody was like, what is that smell? And they turn around and they look at me and they couldn't even like hide it. They're just like, oh, oh my God. They were like dry heaving as I was walking by because that's how pungent it is. 
Yeah, well, they can't show the puking on TV, but if you watch like the behind the scenes, the clips, they show the heaving of everyone in the room. I mean, I'm talking everyone. I'm amazed the camera guys weren't puking at that point. It was, it was the worst thing ever, but that's one of those moments. Again, you're in the shower, like cleaning off and you just think to yourself, whoa, like this is on TV and I'm in my underwear and I trapped a skunk. I got sprayed. I covered myself in uh, tomato juice and I puked like 20 times in the garbage (laughs) and then everyone in the room puked like, what is going on? That was amazing. That was like reality gold and you could not have planned that. We got lucky a few times. It was amazing. It was amazing. (laughs) So let's um, go into I Love Money a little bit. Um, So so the one thing I get sort of confused on is the order because you did I Love New York first and then you did, did you do, sorry, you did I Love New York. Did you do I Love Money next and then Daisy of Love? What was the order of things? One every year. So 2006, we filmed I Love New York. 2007, we filmed uh, I Love Money. Okay. 2008, we filmed Daisy of Love. Or actually, Daisy of Love was the beginning of 2009. But it was, yeah, it was like one every year came out. Okay, got you, got you. So um, did you, so when you went into I Love Money, um, what was your mindset? Were you like really, like, did you really want to win that money? Did you think you could win that money? Um, how did you feel that you did as far as like strategy or the relationships with your castmates? Like, how, what was your mindset going into that? What was your strategy? I figured I was going to be like one of the better athletes on the show. I figured I was smarter than most people in the room. You know, not trying to be pompous or anything right. like that. There's some, there's some interesting people on reality TV that I don't know how they graduated grade school, but that's <laughs> another story. So I figured I would have a leg up and I figured I'd be a target, but I didn't know how the game was going to be played. We didn't know anything. We were on a competition show for 250 grand, which at that time, yes, life-changing money, no doubt about it. Um, And I was in great shape. I was competing in sports. Actually, in 2004, I was a world champion in uh, grappling uh, for, you know, for my division. And, um, you know, I was, I felt like I was in great shape for the show. Um, but obviously, I would think I was the first to kind of really put it together as well and realize, whoa, I'm friends with a lot of people, you know, so like, just like you or I, you know, like, hey, I'm friends with this guy and this girl and this guy and this girl, and I'm friends with the New York cast, and I meshed with the Rock of Love girls, and, you know, like, this is easy, you know, and, and that part I had down, and I figured it out early. I learned that there was life lessons, you know, to be had. This is an opportunity where you're competing for life-changing money, and it's not life or death. You use the expression life or death all the time, right? Like, you're like, what would I do if it was life or death? But this is like the next best thing, you know, like you're not going to die. But, you know, I realized that you got to stay neutral. You got to stay friends with everybody and you can't go partner up with people because other people might not like those people. So you really, again, have to stay neutral and friendly with everybody. And that's something I take every day in my life. I want to be friends with people that don't like me. If someone says, I hate your company or I'm never doing business with you, I write back and say, what can I do to change that? You know, how can we how can we change that mentality? How can we be friends? And they're like, whoa, why are you extending a helping hand? I just said F you. And I'm like, because if you're not my friend and we're not doing business, then we're done here, but there's a lot more to be had. Let's keep going. You know, so it's really taught me. And I teach my employees that all the time. You know, it's crazy to think that I can go to my 20 something year old employees, even 30 year old employees and tell them like, listen, this is what I learned on this show or that. Like, here's a scenario. Here's how you want to react. And they soak it up and they love listening. And honestly, I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff works. I worked on Wall Street selling uh, finance and insurance products for years to support my family where either I was going to eat or I wasn't going to even afford the lights to be turned on that month. So you got to know how to close a deal and get stuff done. You don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah, that totally makes sense. And I love that you're able to like take from one area of your life and apply it to other areas of your life. Like that's 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 called growth and that's pretty impressive. Um, let's talk about, uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I know I'm kind of jumping all around right now, but let's talk about your elimination. Walk us through what, happened there and what were your thoughts on everything um let's talk about that for a second all right yeah uh my elimination was it was shocking you know for me really was that's the other life lesson i learned never put yourself up for elimination (laughs) because if you don't put yourself up for elimination you're not up for elimination and i wouldn't have even been considered a person no one in the house would have raised their hands and said get rid of me everyone had someone they didn't like in the house um, a lot more than they didn't like me so I learned, don't put yourself up for elimination. Yeah. Don't be, the, don't be the guy that at work when someone messed up or something and you're like, listen, I'll just take the rap. Or I'll just, no, <laughs> like if it's not you, don't do that. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. I agree with that. So you were like totally blindsided. 
Well, I'm a gambler, and I decided that if I'm going to win this show, right, I got to go all in. That's the only way to put it. So white boy's up for elimination. So I have to put myself up. And if he goes home, I win. But if Hoops goes in the box instead of me, Hoops goes home, white boy stays. Now we're battling out for months. So it was it was a move that you know got me eliminated a little earlier than I could have. Um, and it stinks, too, because I really didn't see it coming. But I'll be honest, you know, the... Uh, the alcohol doesn't help in that scenario either. I always said you got to talk to the girl or the elimination person right before elimination. You have to be in their head because you'll change your mind. Right. And it did change my mind when I eliminated, uh, not white boy, um, Mr. Boston Mr. that Boston. night. Because I talked to the girls ahead of time and they, you know, I was like, you're right. So instead I drank all day with Toasty. We had a great day. I went home and passed out for four hours, woke up, went to the elimination ceremony. And I was like, hey, can I talk to Toasty? And they're like, sorry, she's already getting changed for elimination. So I missed my chance. To like tell her why she should keep me. So she went into elimination, not talking to me for four hours. So, you know, it makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So um, another big uh, aspect of um, I Love Money was your relationship with Heather. And um, I know that you kind of have talked about this to death. And I think we all get it by now that like with Daisy, you actually had feelings for her. And then with um, Heather, it was more sort of a casual thing or so you thought and um, and then when it turned out that like she realized that you were looking at it as a casual thing and not a serious thing, she got pretty um, pretty upset with you and, and pretty vindictive. And so um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because there is one moment in all these um, reality shows that I feel like hasn't been addressed yet. And I thought this was such a fucked up thing that I want to I want to bring up. So I'm very much anti-slut shaming. Um, I've been very open with everybody. I was very, very promiscuous when um, I was single and I have like no shame about it. It was like fun. It was consensual. To me, there's like no harm in that. And um, and of course I'm married and totally monogamous now, but um, but I like, I just don't think it's cool to slut shame people. I'm just not about that. But slut shaming can go both ways. And so when you were on the reunion show, um, Heather totally blasted you and said something along the lines of like that you didn't make her come. And I just thought that was such a fucking low blow. I thought it was slut shaming. And um, and what's interesting is I actually personally am a, uh, I'm, I'm very interested in reading about sex, but not just sex itself, but like, you know, the anatomy of it and, um, you know, like the psychology of it. And so, first of all, have you ever talked about this in an interview before? This incident with Heather? Uh, no, actually, I've never, I've never talked about this. Uh, okay, so I want to read you something. So this is from the, um, let's see. This is from a website called medicalexpress.com. And uh, I just want to read you this really quick because I'm wondering if this is applicable. So she said that you couldn't make her come. So it's uh, this website is um, it's a medical website. And it says that um, each woman's ability to orgasm during sex depends almost wholly on physical development that occurred while she was still in the womb, according to the review authors. During gestation, the clitoris begins to drift up and away from the vaginal opening, the researchers said. But among, oops, but among women whose clitoris drifted too far up, it may be very difficult or even impossible to have an orgasm during sex because traditional lovemaking doesn't provide enough friction to stimulate the, the clitoris. And this uh, is being stated by Dr. Maureen Wellahan, and she is an obstetrician and gynecologist uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida. And um, she said that researchers said they have figured out the distance between a woman's clitoris and her urinary opening uh, can predict whether or not she will be able to orgasm. And they also said that um, basically it's not, this is a quote, it's not her fault she was born this way. <laughs> so wow. let me ask you just really quick, if you don't mind, uh, do you make your uh, your wife orgasm? Well, here's the easiest response to that. I mean, obviously, of course, I make, you know, I mean, of course. But the funny thing about that statement is, on I Love Money and at the reunion when she made that statement, There were three other girls in the room that were cast members on the show. 
that could have answered that question a lot differently. <laughs> and I just sat back because I'm thinking this girl four times, this girl four times, this girl four times. No joke. <laughs> I love it. And yes. And I won't mention names out of respect, but I'm sitting back listening to this thinking, can somebody please just say, well, actually, no, <laughs> you know. So, yes, I mean, obviously, uh, I know she's been waiting however many minutes this podcast is, you know, for her name to be called. And like Beetlejuice, we call three times. I'm sure she's here listening. She's, but, um, she's furiously you know, clicking the thumbs actually, down as we uh, speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you know, thumbs she, down. Yep. I'm laid back. So, you know, I'm like, listen, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to cause any beef or anything like that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I was blindsided. She tried to pull everything. She's like, he lives at home. He doesn't even have a car. I mean, listen, I don't know where you're at in life now, but I'm in my mid thirties. I've got over a million dollars in real estate. I've got residual incomes. I have great income and a great job. That's doing well. I've got three kids, a wife, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm not boasting, you know, so we all end up where we end up. And, uh, you know, I turned out okay, and I hope for her sake that she can go to bed easy at night and not have to worry about interviews like this bothering her and keeping her up at night, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I just, I agree with that. And um, and I know that she was sort of like trying to say this person's life is bad because of this and that person's life is bad because of that. And um, it, uh, it's just, it's, it's an it's a unfair way to, um, to fight. And I just think that people should focus on themselves. But I just wanted to bring that specific thing up only because it has never been brought up. And I just saw the clip again recently. And it was just so vicious and such a low blow. And I know she got the audience all riled up and everybody was laughing. And um, as I said, like I've always been very open about sex. I think it's um, healthy to have um, a, a good attitude about it, to be educated about it. And um, for her to be like screaming about who can make who come, I was just, I was just floored by that. I just thought it was just so vicious and so brutal. And I just don't want us as a society to be throwing that kind of like shade at each other when it has to come to like how we are in the bedroom. It's just, it's too low of a blow in my opinion. And I just know that you never really had a chance to address that and talk about it. So, and I know that if also, if you brought it up first, um, that might be like construed as you being a douchebag. Like, actually, I make all these women come. So I kind of, I only brought it up because I, I, Knowing that I myself am obviously a woman, but um, a feminist as well, I wanted to provide you with a platform so that I invite you to talk about it. So it's not just you like coming out, like sound like a douchebag, like I'm inviting you to talk about it. So um, yeah, well, well, thank you. Because honestly, uh, at the reunion, I wasn't on stage. They didn't even have a me and Heather segment. And actually the producers, after she went crazy and threw the water bottle and did all that, um, they said, wow. We should have had you come on stage because I didn't really have a storyline in the show besides just being there and being myself. So they were like, wow, we should have had you and Heather on the stage. They didn't realize that it was like that and the beef was like that. So I don't have a chance to go back and say, hey, well, actually, this is why this and this is why that. And you know what? I live with it and I move on and I know what I'm capable of doing, uh, you know, so I'm not worried about it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And I'm sure your wife is not worried either. <laughs> yeah, well, Hey, a few more, few more of these, and I'm gonna go go meet her upstairs. <laughs> nice, I love it. Well, um, Dave, I unfortunately we're out of time. I feel like we could go like for three more hours. Um, I want to give you the platform now to um, talk about uh, all of your projects or places that where you want to send the fans to. I know you already talked about your YouTube channel. Um, and um, is there anything else? That I, I guess should we just tell people to come follow you on Instagram or anything else you want to tell people about? Yeah, absolutely. That's where it's at now. You know, I mean, I've, I'm kind of maxed out on Facebook. Uh, my face, I was crushing it back in the day, but that's obviously gone. I don't use Twitter, but Instagram, I started last year. I've already got 4,000 followers and I'll, I'll reach back out to people all day on there. I love Instagram. It's so easy to use. I'm Dave12PACK on Instagram. So yeah, please follow me. I'll always update, you know, what's going on with myself. Uh, I got pictures of my kids. I got my, my movies as they come out or productions. And actually, we didn't even talk about this and I don't talk about it too much, oh, but yeah. my projects, my projects are fun, you know, and they're just me editing stuff and throw it on YouTube. But, uh, I've actually got a big project with my company where we're going to go around meeting with professional athletes. We've got a teaser, we've got a contract with the production company, and we're probably going to be on some networks here coming up in the next 12 months or so with awesome. a new project. It's not me 12 pack, but it is, you know, me in 12 pack form, just selling memorabilia, kind of having fun and doing my thing again. So uh, it'll be fun. And, you know, it's like million dollar listing. You know, I'm not kidding. 
you know, I go to someone's house and we're looking at two, three, four, five, ten million dollars worth of stuff. So to be able to show you guys firsthand my experience and interaction with athletes, uh, you know, whether it's Brian Damon, Barry Bonds, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, I go inside their houses with each of them and I look at their memorabilia up front and uh, I can show you guys kind of what's going on. So look out for that coming out too. That is so cool. I love it. I know people will be all about that too. Like everybody's going to be interested in that. So good for you, man. I'm, I'm super happy for you. I'm glad life is treating you well. I'm, I'm happy for you about your um, your family and you've got a new one on the way and you know all the career stuff you're doing. And I loved the mini doc about the uh, coronavirus that, um, and I'm grateful that I got to be a part of it and everybody should go check that out because it, it's so well done. So um, Dave, congratulations on everything. It was such a pleasure speaking with you and catching up. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yes, thank you as well, Lacey. Podcast is awesome. Everyone's got to check this podcast out. You're doing a great job and you're really pioneering the way for guys like us who, you know, might want to get into it after seeing your success. So much success to you in the future. Oh, thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. I will talk to you again soon, I'm sure, Dave. So have a good one. All right, great night. All right. That was awesome. Dave is such a good dude. I'm so happy I got to interview him. And man, he's just awesome. I'm I'm really impressed with Dave. He's a great, great guy. So I just want to say thank you to all of you once again for tuning in to the Talk of Love podcast. If you like what you're listening to, if you like what you're watching, then please go and hit the subscribe button on my YouTube channel. Uh, also, make sure to hit the thumbs up. And um, oh, also, if you go visit the website, www.talkoflove.net, we have t-shirts up there that we're selling. And uh, can I grab that t-shirt from you, Scott? Thank you so much. So here is one of them, Talk of Love. And just says, Talk of Love podcast with Lazy Skulls on the back. So um, I'm really digging this. And uh, be sure to go and uh, click on the shop button on talkoflove.net and you can order one of your own. We also have... Don't threaten me with a good time shirts and A-list celebrity and all kinds of good stuff over there. So um, also make sure if you want to be a contributor, go to the, the website, click the contribute button, and you can sign up for different tier groups and rewards. If you want to do Skype chats with me, if you want to uh, receive the Rock of Love uh, reaction videos, the watch alongs with me. There's all kinds of great rewards on there. So be sure to sign up if you like the podcast and you want to contribute. So thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. Love you all so much. And uh, I'll see you next Monday. And don't threaten me with a good time.